tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party. Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free comedy to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. This is My Kind of Weird, a podcast where two people pitch and swap three kinds of media. Something watchable, something readable, and something listenable. To see if each other says at the end of the pod, that's my kind of weird. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Pollock, and joining me today is the founder of Indigicon, Kenan Muir. Now, Indigicon likes to highlight and celebrate the voices of Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander and Indigenous people in the pop culture and nerd realm. Keenan. Yes. Great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Are you ready to get weird with me? I am. I am I've been preparing all week, so I am more than ready. Alright, so Keenan, present your something watchable. Something watchable. I'd like to uh, propose, if you will, my first um, my first little item which is uh, See You Yesterday by the amazing director of Stefan Bristol uh, yep. and supported by Spike Lee. This is something Einstein spent his entire life trying to do. We proved that time travel into the past is possible if we just give it some time. It's scary, but you inspired me. You going places, CJ, and since Pops is gone, I got to make sure that you get there. I don't need you always playing big brother. I'm the only big brother you've got. <laughs> NYPD don't move. Calvin Walker, a 19-year-old black teen, was allegedly shot and killed by an NYPD officer. Walker was armed with nothing but a cell phone. It's an amazing, uh, amazing short film on Netflix, which deals with uh, time travel travel but it also deals with concepts around justice and discrimination in America um, but I think are very similar concepts that um, you know we're dealing with in this country as a nation yes yes so for those playing at home Keenan is of course a fellow Australian um, are you from Australia originally? Because I thought I saw online somewhere that you were lived in Canada. Is that right? Uh, I no, that I, I've been travelling a bit, um, you know, bringing Indigenous Comic-Con across required me to, uh, you know, go across to America every now and then, which I'm not complaining. Um, but, yeah, my background, I'm a Yorta Yorta and Narangeri man. So I grew up in country Victoria. I have um, I have family in South Australia, but yes, grew up in a very strong um, Aboriginal activist family. Oh, I mean, the more the merrier, right? Exactly. Um, so see you yesterday. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but it looked um, apart from 
providing a lot of um, confusion when you and I were trying to tee up what we were going to talk about because yes. um, you kept saying see you yesterday and I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, I love uh, Spike Lee's, I guess, writing and producing and directing sensibilities. So I feel like this is something I'm definitely going to check out. Um, you said short film. How does it? How long does it go for? Yeah, so I believe it only goes for around thirty-five minutes. Um, I mean, in my eyes, when you're comparing that to, you know, something from the Marvel universe, this is pretty short in my eyes. It's an episode. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Great, great. Um, of course, it's uh, won an award for the Independent Spirit Award for Best First Screenplay. Um, it's about two teenage science prodigies who spend every spare minute working on their latest homemade invention, backpacks that enable time travel. Uh, when one of their older brothers is killed, they put their unfinished project to the test to save him. I think uh, just based on that um, synopsis alone is enough to to want to check it out. Um, I love how I guess science fiction always puts forward the discussion around uh, topics specifically around race and, oh, and other exactly. issues. Yes, and um, I love how uh, I'm assuming Stephen Bristol. Is a man of color as well, or yes, an African American um, director uh, who's yeah, uh, I believe is being mentored by Spike Lee. So you know he he knows his stuff. He makes a good film. Excellent. So my something watchable is uh, Love, Death, and Robots season one. Have yes. you given Love, Death and Robots a... I have a, uh, not yet. I've okay. been told I should. Um, yep. Looks amazing. Animation style looks amazing. Um, yep. And just a story around it. Um, yep. Can you give me a little plug to pull me in a little? So Love, Death and Robots is a animated anthology from Netflix, uh, created by Netflix. It's a... Um, it's produced by Tim Miller, Joshua Donan, David Fincher, and Jennifer Miller. It's basically a sort of a, I guess, reimagining or reboot of the 1981 animated sci-fi film Heavy Metal, um, which most nerds, wow. uh, yeah. I think around your and my age, will remember. Um, uh, not saying you're old. Keenan, but um. <laughs> no, I, I just have a good uh, repertoire of uh, what I should be watching as a nerd. So definitely, that's right up my alley. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's even though it's called Love, Death, and Robots, it's not robot centric. It's uh, there's lots of stories around. Sort of, uh, I mean, there's a. There's a story called, um, in, and we're talking about the first season here, not the season two that's about to drop, yep. but there's right. a story which, I th- from memory, I think it's called The Junkyard, where it's um, 
uh, pre- well, spoilers, it's set in the junkyard. Um, and <laughs> it's about uh, the, I guess, uh, there's a there's a monster that lives in the junkyard, like a radioactive kind of mutated sort of monster that lives in the junkyard. Oh. And this old guy that kind of just looks after said junkyard, I guess the owner of the property it's on, and about how... Everyone, he says to everyone who comes around to hang out, don't don't go over there. Of course, they go over there, and yeah. So there's that. Um, I remember well, that, that. That just puts a whole new spin on uh, junkyard dog and making sure that yeah, no one comes in your onto your property. Is yeah. that sort of the take? Yeah, kind of. It's it's kind of like a city inspector goes around to. Um, uh, and okay. I've just checked online. It's called The Dump, so it was close. Um, the city inspector goes around to say, hey, you need to clean this up and, you know, okay. something, something happens to the city inspector. I think I may have spoiled what happens, but <laughs> um, there's, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of different things. There's there's one about this prostitute that witnesses a murder, so it's uh a uh, very sort of um, uh, futuristic, almost uh, Alfred Hitchcock kind of stuff. Um, okay. There's a one where there uh, someone is uh, wakes up from being in a long uh, space flight, and then the, that astronaut astronaut in question uh, realizes that he's um, actually just in this sort of web of these spider creatures that sort of just feed oh. off. Um, uh, I guess the energy of humans and things oh, like yeah. that, and uh, there's lots of fun little creepy stories. There's stories in there that are very sort of, okay. I, I guess, just awe-inspired when it comes to, uh, I guess, the visuals. But um, right. I quite like it. Um, it's uh, I feel like it's great to get into because it doesn't require, you know, sort of several hours to okay, watch an right. entire yeah. season. It's like. Uh, I think some of the episodes go. So for 10 it's minutes. not it's not a Game of Thrones sort of layout. It's no, just, not at all. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I can do that. I can definitely. All right, <laughs> all right, Keenan, present your something readable. Something readable. Now this is fairly new, and it's um, it's something I hold quite close to my heart, but it's the. The website, or if you like, the um, the mission of a foundation called the Darjawa Foundation. Now, for those who don't know, the Darjawa Foundation um, has only been set up, I believe it was earlier this year, um, by the victims of or the relatives of the victims who were um, unfortunately, uh, victimized to uh, deaths in custody. So, how this evolved is from the um, from I'm sure a lot of people are aware of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, which um, was 30 years ago. You know, if you add that up. And you say you also add into the conversation that there's been 400 plus Aboriginal deaths in custody in this country without any sort of um, any sort of punishment to 
basically the 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 law the enforcers who doubt out these um, these sentences, uh, and I, I think it's just a, a it's a travesty. It's a great injustice, not only to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, but to this whole nation. To know that there's injustices like this going on, it. I mean, it, just talking about it, it fuels my fire, and I hope it really does the same to a lot of. Uh, your listeners listening today. There's mm, mm. certainly going to teach quite a few of them. I think um, some of our African-American listeners, uh, sadly, probably won't be surprised that it's still, you know, you know, it happens even in Australia. I think there's the problem I find with, I guess, on a the world stage knowing about this stuff is when people think of Australia, they think of, oh, look, it's a paradise and people are at the beach yes. every day and they, you know, they have kangaroos for pets and, you know, shrimp on the barbie because of that horrible ad from 50 years ago. Yes. And, oh, you, you know, and... <laughs> I think um, they actually, side note, I think they tried to... Um, Try to reboot that ad like two years ago, and I'm just like, why? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, yeah, um, yeah, and not really looking into the things that like uh, like our colonialists actually committed acts of atrocity, like for instance, uh, genocide in Tasmania. That kind of gets forgotten. I it's- mean. There was even more recently the whole issue of um, uh, Coon Cheese, the uh, the promise that the company that creates that would be getting rid of the the Coon Cheese brand altogether. But I don't know about you, Kenan, but I'm still seeing Coon Cheese everywhere. So well, yeah, I, I think it's um, you're right. It and this whole conversation around you know people um, using words like. Oh, it's uh, we're over politicizing this. It's a cancel culture uh, language like this. I think it's it's really not relevant because so if you if you're looking at each generation, this generation is saying no, we're not okay with this. Uh, we're believing that there needs to be a bit more respect in our society. And yes, that might be uh, very different from, you know, what our parents thought, um, but it's just the society that we live in. And I think it's a, it, it's a step in the right direction, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I feel like uh, cancel culture is really just an excuse to excuse those who aren't happy that they're being called out for, other, for their own bullshit. Uh, to be quite yeah. blunt, um, I don't see anyone who is not being cancel cultured out of the discussion to be upset by the fact that cancel culture is there. So I don't see. It. So I think that's quite telling that people who aren't committing sort of acts of bigotry, of sexism, yes. of racism, et cetera, et cetera, that aren't being called out on it, exactly. that uh, aren't guilty of it, I think it's telling that they don't have an adi- they don't have a problem with it. So I think it's just it just comes to the fact that we're the guilty parties and 
Yeah, um, it's uh, very well, much. Well, uh, it's it's you know it's prominent, and you know this might even be where the conversation picked up from. If you look at you know story arcs from X Men, if you look at the some of the story arcs within Marvel dealing with um, bringing in multicultural um, superheroes dealing with misogyny and sexism, I think uh, we can we owe a lot to comic books with what they started and what they represented. They're very uh, they have a way of reflecting the world and uh, putting it back on us to make some change. Yeah, it's kind of those uh, those original storytellers like your sort of your, your Stan Lee's and your yeah. Gene Roddenberry's of the world, um, who sort of uh, put used sort of science fiction and fantastical storytelling to put forth the the issues of a society. And exactly. Yeah, and I think it's telling of a society in the way that it sort of treats its elderly, its um, indigenous population, um, also its um, its uh, people that are incarcerated. Which goes back to your uh, points about um, exactly uh, that, yes. that uh, about that foundation. Um, there is an issue. Um, with uh, racism towards uh, Aboriginal and Indigenous people. Yes. And it's just, uh, oh, it's okay, let's just put them in the slam. It'll be fine. Uh, and it's kind of, it's the gradual erasure of a people as well um, because yep. it may not be genocide technically. It's just a slower process and I think that needs to stop. Yeah. Well, even still, it's um, it's related back to uh see you yesterday in terms of, uh, you know, you're dealing with this concept of there's obviously a power imbalance based on the colour of someone's skin, which is, like, mind-blowing to... I'm sure if aliens came down and, and we said, oh, well, really, society treats a person based on the colour of their skin, they'd just be like, that makes no sense. We're leaving this planet because there's obviously no intelligence on this on this planet. Um, <laughs> but it it relates back to that uh, time travel movie where you know the the um, the victims of these racial crimes and their relatives um, are often left to ponder well. What could have happened? What if? And I think that's where, you know, styles of movies such as this, dealing with um, concepts of time travel and, you know, really asking the what is the human condition and looking at that. I, I really love those movies because it does deal with real world, um, real world issues. But, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the biggest nerds you're ever going to meet. So if they're also dealing with time travel, it's not only investing um, or reaching me, but it's also, uh, you know, it's, it's capturing me so that that conversation 
can keep going down the road. All right. So my something readable is Redshift issue one. Now, yes. just a bit of an I just a bit of a I guess a disclaimer for everyone. Um, uh, Redshift issue one has not come out yet. That said, I have been able to get my grubby little mitts on it. I have read it. It's um, uh, basically a uh, astronaut at the sort of the end of human civilization story. It's written by H.S. Tack, and he uh, released a ser- uh, comic book series uh, through IDW called Boy One, and it's uh, illustrated by Brent McKee, uh, who has done a couple of uh, series over for Dark Horse comics. It looks um, amazing. The artwork looks spectacular so it's a uh, so it's out through scout comics uh scout comics uh suddenly are coming up uh comic book uh house that are starting to really well they have from day one in fact so not starting to they really focus on uh creator-owned material uh okay. this is definitely a creator-owned book there Pretty much um, you have Image Comics that has created their own stuff, but I'd argue that yep. Scout Comics are more sort of street-level creator own stuff, okay. uh, mainly because Image Comics has sort of gone to that point where, yeah. yeah, I mean, you might be able to get a release out through Image Comics as a comic book artist or creator or writer, but the thing is it doesn't necessarily guarantee success. Um, yeah. I guess with Scout Comics, it doesn't really guarantee success either, but I feel like... Um, so they're a uh, bit more of an indie house? Is that- yes, definitely, okay. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, they're, they're churning out probably about four or five books uh, every week now, um, okay. probably every fortnight is probably more accurate. So uh, this, uh, so Redshift is basically about this astronaut who is uh, recruited to uh, to basically go on the front line to try and find, uh, I guess, other planets um, ripe for, I guess, potential terraforming and where the human race can survive because in this the human mm. race has long, si- long since left Earth. So it's, it's very much a gritty nature to this book, which is evident through the artwork. Uh, it's very... Sort of, I mean, if you're into more of the sort of uh, more realistic science fiction shows, yep. things like The Expanse, yes. even, uh, you know, sort of Babylon 5 in terms of how the it doesn't, I guess, picture a utopian sort of future. It pictures more right. of a, a future where humans still have to, you know, kind of struggle to survive and to get things done. Okay, right. And how far um, away from apocalypse on Earth is this sort of set? Um, unclear. Uh, I believe, uh, judging by the the first issue, so I'm um, I'm assuming sort of within a hundred years. It's not really clear okay. if an apocalypse has ha- has taken place. Yeah, it's more um, Earth is becoming inhospitable sort of thing so okay um yeah so yeah if you like uh tv shows like the expanse i'd highly recommend you uh check this out definitely when's this hitting shelves may 19th so by the time this uh podcast is out uh 
be on the shelves for about a week. So, um, yeah, if you hear this, go check out uh, Redshift number one. Awesome, for sure. And do they have um, um, do they only do physical paperbacks or are there digital downloads? Um, all the above. All okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll um, guess I'll I'll just uh, flick you a message to. Oh yeah, man, and I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, excellent, excellent. Awesome. All right. So, Keenan, present your something listenable. Something listenable. It's. Now, it's a little plug for this weekend. I am a part of a D&D group. We call All ourselves right. the Chicken Salt Bays, um, I believe, because we all love chicken salt. Um, I think it's, a, it's an essential across nearly all types of foods. I mean, you, you could put it on your dessert. Um, and let me know how that goes, but I am not <laughs> as brave as you, so you let me know. Um, so I'm a part of this group. <laughs> yeah, so we, you know, every session we try and work in chicken salt. It's an all-Indigenous cast of D&D players. Uh, I do this alongside um, the Indigitech, which is a not-for-profit organization focusing on increasing STEM awareness and producing paths for young Indigenous people in Sydney. Fantastic. Yeah, we we do this um, every – yeah, every – Every month on a Saturday, which is perfect because uh, while my partner is working, I am left home twiddling my thumbs. So it's great to say I have this thing going on, which is um, so a little plug on who else is uh, in the group, myself. Yep. The, um, we have the extraordinary Ray Johnston, who um, I believe she's playing a Dragonborn war, Dragonborn wizard, I think. Um, and she uh, she goes down the path of wild magic, which is um, interesting because it doesn't always work out. Yeah. But uh, it, it just makes for a, a funny, funny session. Uh, we have the incredible Carly Moon, who is one of very few um, Indigenous astronomers. Uh, probably okay, that's interesting. Probably one of the the smartest people I've ever met. She definitely knows her stuff. Yeah. Um, and finally, we have. Uh, Barmy, who is uh, one of the main um, project leads, if you like, for Indigitech. You know, he's uh, helped set up uh, online communities for 
Indigenous nerds to catch up and talk about all the nerdy goodness. But we also have Cece on board who works with Ben um, in making sure that, you know, with our deadly young people um, go down the STEM path if they like. And we do that. We're, we're doing that uh, every Tuesday on a Saturday. Uh, did I say every Tuesday? I mean, yeah, every. Yeah, you did. You, you said every Tuesday on a Saturday. I'm, I <laughs> won't like, chastise no, you that, for it, that, but, um, you know, if that, there are comments on sense. my Twitter, I can't really control yeah. that, Keenan. <laughs> so every 2 p.m. on a Saturday of every month. Um, so, yeah, head along to the um, Indigitech Instagram. Uh, yep. Or the Indigitech Twitter page, there's always um, a little note to say where we're going live. Make sure you tune in. You know, it's a it's a partnership with Twitch, which is amazing. So oh, we incredible. always get a, a decent crowd coming along. But yeah, if you're keen to. You know, tune in for a laugh and um, see how we're going as owners of a haunted pub, um, which is to my character, Morn, who is a Goliath barbarian. It's probably one of the most scariest things he's ever been in. He is, um, you know, he, he's he's... Scared beyond beyond belief. He's um he's very jumpy, that's for sure. Excellent. So everyone, go check that out. Now, my something listenable is with Teeth, which is the fourth studio album by uh, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, came out back in two thousand and five. So. 16 yes. years old. <laughs> oh. um, I feel really old right now. So um, <laughs> uh, I am proud to say, though, I checked out the – and I went to the With Teeth um, uh, Australian tour, so that was fantastic. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of showing my age right now. So um, are, you a, are you a mosher or what – what are we talking here? What was your level um, of involvement? Involvement? Uh, my level of involvement. See, the thing is, if I'm spending over $100 for a ticket, oh, I yeah. want to actually get a, a live show and experience out of it. And I don't yes. want to just get, you know, hit the terps and uh, get absolutely exactly. blind drunk so I don't remember the show. If it's, you know, sort of, you know, the 60 to $80 range, yeah, that's more yeah. where I think you, you get your party on. But, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, when it's over $100 like this concert was, um, uh, yeah, definitely not. Um, well, I mean, if you're, you know, it's nine-inch nails, of course it's going to be well over $100. I would pay much more than that to seen nine inch nails i think last time i yeah. saw them was um the sound uh was the sound wave they came across yeah yeah, yeah 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 uh i don't know if the, actually i think that may have been the last time yeah because um 
don't really think they're a touring outfit anymore unless oh. Trent just gets because uh, he's too busy making soundtracks for you know movies and TV shows right. and um, you know he just won like a another award for um, uh, his work on Soul. Um, oh so, wow! Okay. Yeah. So um, the reason I wanted to talk about this album, obviously near and dear to my heart, but um, it's a album that features contributions from Dave Grohl. Um, it features contributions from Atticus Ross, who is Trent Reznor's now sort of soundtrack, I guess, uh, writing partner as well. Um, so it's uh, really a fantastic album that sort of um, oh, yeah. uh, delves a lot into addiction and uh, getting into sobriety and stuff. A lot of the yeah. influence was about Reznor's addiction to alcohol and drugs and then his subsequent sobriety that came off the back of that. So, yeah. uh, I mean, things, uh, singles like The Hand That Feeds, only every day is exactly the same are all very telling of so, sort of the ongoing drug addiction experience. Right, yeah. Which is, uh, I, I find, um, I mean, a lot of artists talk about how therapeutic it is and it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just great that there's some people out there who, you know, are able to talk about their journey but also heal themselves. All right. Um, so um, let's do the verdicts. Verdicts. Okay. So, uh, Keenan, for, for those who are listening for the first time, this is where I ask my guests if, if you would say that any of my pitches are my kind of weird. But we'll start with you, the guests. Do you have something you want to ask me? Something I would like to ask you um, your your music taste is that um i mean you've given nine inch nails as you something to listen to is that yep. sort of the the genre that you operate in or are you into much more uh, than that? i operate in all sorts of music genres uh anything where it's sort of a you know heavy or sort of ambient soundscape is what i yeah. really get into that's why i feel like nine inch nails um uh oh, yeah. is uh like definitely a re- repetitive artist i listen to um but uh keenan would you say any of my picks were your kind of weird I would definitely say the uh, Nine Inch Nails album is definitely my kind of weird. Um, look, I've been listening to them since uh, my high school days um, and that, yeah, opened the doors up to all of these other sort of heavy metal and metal bands that I absolutely adore Um but I was not aware of this album, so thank you. That's all right. Uh, what about the other two picks? The comic book, um, I'm definitely uh, interested in that um, that whole concept uh, and I'm not too sure if you know whether this is um, on board for to be a more longitudinal thing. Um, but yeah, that's definitely an uh, issue that I'll keep up to date with 
and hopefully that story arc just goes and goes and goes. Your first one, what was your first one, my dear? Uh, Love, Death and Robots. Love, Death and Robots, definitely. That's, I, I'm, a, I'm a Netflix binger. I think we've got yep. all of the major um, <laughs> streaming services and that's been on my Netflix list for a while. So I'll, I think maybe uh, that's this weekend's uh, watching for me. Uh, would you like to ask me, are any of my picks you're, you're kind of weird? Yes, Anthony, are any of my my picks you're kind of weird? Um, yeah, so I'd have to say that um, you're something readable. I feel like that is my kind of weird. I wasn't aware of the name of the foundation, but I was when I, uh, as you were talking, I cheekily pulled up the website and um, realised that I am actually familiar with this foundation. I think I actually, uh, what, uh, watched the, was watching the news when uh, the Dadjoa Foundation, hope I pronounced that right, um, uh, were sort of in the news uh, uh, last year, I think, off the back of the, um, uh, yeah. the Black Lives Matter and uh, George Floyd stuff that was going on. So um, aware of that, so definitely my kind of weird. Awesome. Um, uh, as far as your something listenable, I'm not too sure, and that's because Dungeons and Dragons has always been a thing that I've wanted to get into, but I've okay. just never had the time to get into it. I will, and, yes. and I don't, and I don't really know anyone who lives close by that um, that plays it. So it's always just been one of those things that's just been sort of a, an unknown sort of variable. Ah, I got you. I got you. Uh, as far as your something watchable, I am definitely going to check that out. So that's my kind of weird as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm just saying if, you know, um, uh, I, I'm deep in the D&D trenches now. So uh, if you're keen, I'm always happy to oblige and create a, or be a part of a new camp- campaign. With yourself, my partner is also looking to do some DMs. Um, Excellent. So let us know. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's set something up in the future for sure. All right. So we're going to go to a uh, quick sponsor break, and when we get back, I'm going to have a bit more of a chat about uh, Indigicon with Keenan here. Awesome. <laughs> Hello again, everyone. Producer Andy here once more. The last few times I've asked you to visit sodaandtelepaths.com, the sister website to this very podcast, where you can read all about the latest on comics, science fiction, and horror. I mean, I I couldn't have been nicer about it. I, I, I patiently explained that at sodaandtelepaths.com you can read all the site's interviews with people in the entertainment industry, along with movie and comic reviews and opinion pieces. But you didn't go. Why not? What do you people What do you people want? Tell me. I, 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 I mean, are you too good for us? Is that it? 
Oh, what do you want, oh worthy listeners? Huh? Fucking unicorns? Oh, okay. Fine. There you go. See? Are you happy now? Fine. There. There you go. Fucking unicorn. Great big unicorn with two horns riding a skateboard through Megan Fox's bathroom. You happy? Soda and telepaths.com. Go there now. Or the unicorn dies. Alright. Okay. Uh, so, Kanan, tell everyone a bit more about the origins of Indigicon, where the idea came from. Yeah. Uh, let's. Okay, let's go back a bit. Um, so, Indigenous Comic Con, it was an idea that um, that I came to know about from um, someone over in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Dr. Lee Francis, who is not only the creator of um, their Indigenous Comic Con over in America, but is also the business owner of Red Planet Comics over there, which is the only Native American comic book store. It exclusively stocks Indigenous comics and um, art and novels and all of that amazing geeky goodness. But, yeah, so I've, I flew across and back um, – First time I went across as an international cosplay guest, which was simply amazing. Um, so I can put that on the resume now, international cosplay guest, which is, you know, part of the plan as a cosplayer. So I went over there, had a look at their layout. Um, I started having more of a discussion with him. Uh, that would have been that discussion would have happened six years ago. So yes, six years in the making, um, we delivered the first Indigenous Comic Con in Australia, which was uh, hosted by Indigenerd, which is my company that I've created. We yep. hosted that in uh, in Preston in a small community. Center, uh, the Darabin Arts and Entertainment Center. Um, you know, we had just over a thousand people come f- through the doors over the weekend. Um, and yeah, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, and what was the, I guess, the attendance like compared to what you sort of, I mean, what did you expect? Yeah, so. I mean, over there, when you're talking about conventions and uh, pop culture events, there's it's a much larger business um, in some senses than Australia. So, I mean, in the early stages of conversation, I did hope that we would gain similar traction over here. But as the idea grew... You know, I realized this was this was the first iteration of Indigenous Comic-Con in this country. So not only did I have to deliver an event, I had to promote an event that we've never had before in this country. So with those two in mind, I 
yeah, quickly realize that, you know, there won't be the same amount of support. Um, and when I say support, I mean resourcing for uh, such an, a unique event, um, which definitely impacted on the overall look of the convention. But, yeah, you know, in the end, what do you aim for in particular, um, particularly in the north side of Melbourne? Um, and I mention that because I, I, I grew up in, in Northgate, Thornbury, Preston. So uh, there's a lot of indie um, pop-up stores and indie events that go on. So I took that sort of approach and adapted it to a bit larger event in the in Comic Con, and yeah, the result was this amazing, family-friendly, inclusive, community-orientated event that highlighted some amazing storytellers and creatives that a lot of our community have never heard of, um, which was the ultimate aim that I had. And uh, did you want to give any shout-outs to any of those creators that um, uh, I guess you not only wanted to get onto the – as part of the Indigicon event but uh, uh, actually appeared at the Indigicon event? Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Enchanted, this amazing – little uh, video game that's being developed. Um, great concept. You know, I met them, um, I think, the year before at PAX. They, they had an Indigenous writer on board. Um, very, very lovely team to work with and speak with. I'll also give a shout-out to Erica Reed who is one of the most amazing Indigenous wrestlers in this country. Um, she's a part of a local troupe. Um, sorry, Erica, if I, if I don't remember the name of the group, but mm. keep an eye out for her. Go and follow her on Instagram. She, she is brilliant. And the fact that she um, uses her platform to show her culture uh, i believe it's just a just another way of how creatives use their platform to show their passions perfect what's what's in store for you um obviously covid has thrown a spanner in the works but yes, then we're yeah. being uh, i mean for the most part i don't imagine that would affect you too much now that things are starting to get sort of get back to normal in this country are you able to sort of put a plan into works for something i don't know either or probably a bit late for this year but a, a 2022 yeah well something on the, that level um of uh, you know, an Indigenous Comic-Con, I'd definitely be looking at something for next year. Um, obviously can't say too much, but I've had a few conversations um, and things are looking quite positive, so I will keep you posted. Um, in terms of my company, Indigenerd, we actually have a relaunch night coming up. On okay. What, a yeah. rebrand or, or you just... Uh, well, so I mean, 
creating Indigenerd, I we didn't really get a launch night, so I created it um, to deliver Indigenous Comic Con. So mm. I guess if you like, this is sort of Indigenerd rebooted, I guess. Well, it sounds like you're having your honeymoon late. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which is fine. My wife exactly. and I did that. <laughs> okay, right. Well, as long as I don't get in trouble, that's fine. That's fine. But, yeah, we're having that um, on the night of the 20th of August. It's a Friday night from 6 p.m. Um, down at the Fortress Esports Arena in okay, Melbourne. Great. Yep. Um, amazing venue, amazing staff. They've they've been amazing to uh, to deal with and have a look at our event and see what they can do. And just they they're so flexible in terms of uh, what this unique event means for our community and mm. what they can bring. So, yeah. yeah, the night of the 20th, um, tickets will be on sale soon. We'll be running that through um, the Fortress w- website, so keep an yeah. eye out on their website. There's a few things in store. Um, I can't say too much, but I can say we'll have a live um, live session of D&D up on stage, which yeah. is pretty cool we'll have some new merch coming in which will be available at indigenerd.com.au which the the website's up it's just you're gonna have to wait until august for some new stuff to hit the shelves there's new logos coming in there's uh yeah a lot of new um clothing and products coming in it's yeah, I've I've definitely kept myself busy over this uh, this period. That's for sure. Great. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. No, thank you. It's been been amazing, and I've come away with a few uh, different pieces of music and uh, comics. Oh, yeah, man, and this is what the show's about, to expose not only my guests but others to new stuff. And, hey, if you if your takeaway is that you found out about one new thing, then I've done my job. And that you have, that you have. All right, so that's another episode of My Kind of Weird. If you haven't already, go subscribe to My Kind of Weird wherever you get your podcast from. My guest, of course, today has been... Oh, is that is that my my line? Yeah, my yeah, line? yeah. yeah. The, the amazing, the spectacular Keenan Muir. Keenan Muir. Keenan, thanks very much for stopping by, and no. we will be back in a fortnight's time. But until then, make sure you stay nerdy. Yes, love cool. it. Stay nerdy. Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party. Good news. 
Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free comedy to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.